y'all. Welcome to another episode of the Unapologetically Black Gaming Podcast, the only podcast that will not let niggas forget that we let Justin Timberlake cook with them cornrows and beatboxing with Timberland and Pharrell. I am your host, the infamous hood rat with the heart of gold himself, Cortez Washington, and I'm joined by a special guest. This person is a producer, is a narrative designer. Um, you can catch some of that great work on in, with First Blood and also with the upcoming High Elo Games uh, or High Elo Girls, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, great. Please show some love to Danny D. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Um, it's amazing. Again, thank you so much for asking me to just come talk to you. Yeah, of course. And I, I was trying to be smooth with the intro, but I fucked it all up. So, <laughs> no, it's good. It's good. It's good. It's good. Okay. So we're gonna definitely uh, tap in some of the games you've been, uh, you're working on right now. Mm-hmm. Um, the ones you can actually talk about, uh, and also uh, just like your viewpoints on like entry to like narrative design and all that stuff. But first things first, I always ask my guests this: um, What was your first game in memory? So like, what was the first game you played? that you can remember that you were like, oh, I really rock with this. And not only mm-hmm. as, not necessarily as like a pathway for a career, but just as a hobby. Yeah. Um, so <clears throat> I have, I have talked about this before and every time I have to disclaim that like, you know, mom and dad, parents out there don't do this because I got my hands on um, like, like really seriously that really got me addicted to gaming. I got my hands on Mortal Kombat. Oh. Um, when I was like a kid. <laughs> uh, so I was like 11, like, you know, with my hands on these games they were very bloody and violent, but mm. um, I really loved the character design, you know, around the time I got my hands on those games, um, Katana and Melina had been introduced. Like it wasn't just Sonya Blade. It was Katana and Melina. Mm. I think even Jade had come out and Jade was like the dark skinned palette swap. Yeah. Of the of like the two Adenian princesses. And so mm-hmm. I was like, I was like, oh, there's a black girl. I can play as her. She's wearing like a green <laughs> leotard type of thing. Um, and so yeah, I just I I actually always really liked the story part of Mortal Kombat, which is mm-hmm. kind of silly because it's you know, it's a fighting game, but I always just really vibed with like, you know, the like the best and the bravest of whatever world come together in this tournament, you know, in order to mm-hmm. like defeat uh, Shao Kahn from, and like prevent him from um, invading the human world and taking over. I was just like, that is really epic. And that's actually really cool. Um, yeah. So yeah, I was, I was very into Mortal Kombat and that was like my fighting game that I got into. That's dope. That's dope. Um, I feel you on like, following the story of Mortal Kombat because it wasn't as deep as like a Final Fantasy or something like that. Right. But it did have like a couple, it had a few layers. So like, you know, on the surface yeah. layer, tournament to save Earth, uh, mm-hmm. stop the person. But then under a deeper layer, uh, Sub-Zero assassinated mm-hmm. <laughs> Scorpion's family and yeah. he came back from yeah. hell to seek revenge. And, yep. and then like, <laughs> and then like Kung and Lao now- is Liu Kang's cousin and shit. Like, right. Like, and oh. like, like the the like you know melina and katana's mom was like possessed like she became like a demonic wife of shao Kahn. just like yeah. there was so much melodrama actually and each game <laughs> added on to the melodrama and yeah. like luke king died and became a zombie at some point like yeah. it was just like a whole it was always just like very bombastic and mm-hmm. like i i'm also really into like 
space operas and science fiction and like mm. f- and fantasy and so you know like the whole idea of like there being these other worlds they're kind of like ours but not really mm-hmm. you know i i got really hooked into that very early yeah yeah and it's it is uh that actually kind of uh correlates back to like afrofuturism too of just mm-hmm. like you know being that being in that realm of like you know fuck this world like oh yeah. there's other shit going on that's really cool there's a place where we aren't being you know uh being harassed and traumatized yeah. and all this shit like we're out you know we're we're space rangers we're doing this we're doing mm-hmm. that you know like and it's so and that's so great and yeah it is beautiful to always see that and i think that's the thing that people miss about like the one thing that people miss about like gaming in general is like Stop looking at black people and white people being certain characters. The shit is fake, bro. Like it's fiction. We're oh just my trying. God. To, like it's just for an real. imagination. Like for real. Like literally. <laughs> no, but like so Jade, honestly, I was I was so young and I was like there is like a black like regal sort of like I think she was like in the the Okay, so the lore has been like retconned a ton of times, but I uh-huh. think at some point she was like Katana's like right hand, you know, and she was like very elegant. And mm-hmm. I was like, she's black because, you know, like she was dark skinned. Yeah. And in some later iterations of the games, like it's very clear that she's like, she's like black, black. She's not like a dark skinned Asian yeah, or something. Yeah. But like later on, you know, she does kind of swap back and forth between different ethnicities. But just the <laughs> idea of like, oh, like, jade's a black girl like out in this like royal parallel dimension mm-hmm. being like very cool and traveling through time and space and all of that and that just like really i really vibed with that and you don't you know like back then you weren't seeing that you're definitely not seeing enough of it now but like that was mm-hmm. i think that was like the first time i saw that in video game form yeah yeah absolutely yeah it's um yeah, because we had Jax for a while, and it was like okay, mm-hmm. and then like they started. Was 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 Jade introduced in uh, Mortal Kombat four, or was it three or two? Um, it could have been. Th- oh shoot! You know what? I feel like it might have been three. Okay, because I know that the twins got introduced in two, and then mm-hmm. I think they started doing the like extra palette swapping in three and onwards. But yeah, do not. Do not hold me to that. Okay. Ed Boone, I'm sorry. <laughs> like, if I'm getting it wrong, please don't be mad at me. Um, but yeah, I, uh, and you know what? That's a fun thing because I really liked the Mortal Kombat. Like, I loved the movies, right? Yeah. Um, and then Jade came out in the games, but then in the second movie, she was actually out as well, but she was, um, she was East Asian. So uh-huh. I was really confused because I was like, wait what's going on <laughs> i was so young enough to be like are they are, what's happening like where's my date you know um but but that also like speaks to how important it is for like us to be visible and we're just we're not just a palette swap you know yeah. like we are fully formed characters of our own who like are you know visible like mm-hmm. race doesn't change from game to game and we're not like some nebulous like brown person who anybody can like project onto mm-hmm. i love me some brown characters but like it's always really nice when someone is very explicitly black yeah. um so yeah. yeah yeah and um it's uh i'm trying to think of the right way to say this without it sounding like i'm trying to you know 
terror the African uh Africa diaspora. Um mm-hmm. it's like I notice a lot of cop outs of companies that do like uh they like, oh, we need somebody black. They're like, yeah. It's like, but they can't be black, black. We need them like British, so they have an accent. And mm. then and then they forget that black that the black Brits actually experienced the same shit we didn't been through. So they're gonna be just as vocal as us. And they're like, mm-hmm. fuck. You know, mm-hmm. like when John mm-hmm. Boyega was saying all the shit, I know Disney was like, fuck, Oops. shit. Yeah. <laughs> shit. <laughs> right, right. We got a real nigga in the goddamn booth. Why we let this nigga in here? <laughs> For real. And it's so funny because it's like, um, he did attack the block, right? Yeah. Like they knew his, they knew where he came from. They knew yeah. what his background was. Uh-huh. So it's really on them if they just kind of weren't prepared for him. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, it's it's very true. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Let's... Yeah, I... and and I'm the kind of person where like so so um, my tagline, you know, and it's going to stay my tagline for a while, and I think it's going to become, you know, I might get a tat of it because I very very much believe in it. Mm-hmm. So my my little like tagline is not better cl- uh, comma more. Yes, my whole thing is like. You know, everyone likes to argue about like what kind of black representation we need. Like, oh, we can't have hood characters because it's a stereotype. Or, oh, you know, like we like we only want bougie because like we want to be able to aspire to like like wealth or something. And and that's already really problematic because it's like, well, you know, correlating like comfort with a certain kind of cultural presentation is an issue to begin with. Yeah. Um. But so for me, I'm very much about. Like, no, we don't need better versions. We just need as many different versions as possible. Absolutely. Um, Because there are so many different forms of Blackness out there. Mm -hmm. And it's like, one isn't like inherently more authentic or one Mm -hmm. isn't more like inherently ideal or something Mm -hmm. you should aspire to. Because we literally just, we're everywhere. We have so many different experiences. Um, So for me, it's like, you know, we need to stop like relying on the one yeah uh you know like i don't know character in any uh-huh. given um ensemble because like we're literally we have so many different ways that we can show up um yeah so that was that was a little aside but i was just thinking about it cuz like like yeah black british people are legit you know like they yeah. have their own um cultural history and background mm-hmm. and like but you you're totally right in that like sometimes people will think oh i want black but not too black and so they'll like go for um you know some other person or character Mm -hmm. assuming that 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 person or that actor or like i don't know is going to not want to be associated with other forms of blackness and it's just like come on like it's (laughs) that's not how it goes like that's not how real people are you know like you can be you can have one type of you know class background or experience or whatever and like it's still solidarity right because at Mm -hmm. the end of the day like (laughs) we're all black (laughs) um you know we're all we're all struggling some of us definitely um i would say this might be going off topic a little bit but proximity to like whiteness is definitely a thing so in community there's a lot of there's a lot of criticism and worthy criticism criticism to be had there you know there's colorism Uh so i'm not i don't want to say that like we're all the same and we all have the same experiences. No, that's yeah. kind of the point. It's like, we're all very different. We all have different struggles and some of us have it worse than others, but like yeah. that doesn't mean that there's 
a form of blackness that we should just kind of like be ashamed of or, Mm -hmm. you know, like not like play respectability politics and, you Mm -hmm. know, just sort of give up your integrity in order to get closer to like, I don't know, like being respectable, et cetera. So um, that was a whole, again, that was a whole rant. I'm sorry. No, it's Um, fine. Cause that, that directly, (laughs) that directly correlates with the gaming industry itself. You know, like um, that, like you have to play that game in order to move up in the ranks. And there are people, there are definitely outliers who don't play the game, but a lot of people who aren't, who don't have like the, I guess have the energy because a lot of times you just don't have the energy to play to mm-hmm. like go against the grain and have to deal mm-hmm. with a lot of social awkwardness and social anxiety and things of that mm-hmm. nature. So like I never I never talk down to people who are like playing that game because I like I look at them and I'd be like, I know I just know I know it, this shit yeah. fucking sucks, you know, and I know does, you had yeah. to do and I know you're doing what you got to do and it's OK, you know, and going back to your point about like the wide variety of blackness the black blackness is like you know it's it's when whenever i try to think of blackness i think of it like how bruce lee was talking about water you know like it just like Mm -hmm. it takes whatever form it needs to take for someone in that Mm. particular environment and like Mm. i wish we had content that like range from like because you know white people they have like trailer park boys and secession you know what i mean like that wide range of shit and it's just like we can't like whenever we get a trailer park boys people are like this is a bad representation of black people and right. then when we get a secession they're like we need to why aren't we strike why aren't we uh living right. up to these unrealistic standards of this fictional tv show because <laughs> it's, like, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. it's like bro yeah like, like, <laughs> <laughs> the kind of pressure put on on yeah. you know on black creators and also their creations is uh-huh. like I firmly believe that there should be like mediocrity should be allowed, you know, like literally every kind of, of portrayal you can think of should be allowed. Like, it's not about, you know, it's not about aspiring to one form of blackness, like Mm -hmm. just be true to, you know, the kind of stories you want to tell and support other black people who are trying to tell their stories too. Like that's what it comes down to. You don't have to like, you don't have to, you know, tell stories that aren't authentic to your black experience. Mm-hmm. Um, you can support other black people who are telling stories that are authentic to their black experience. Like that's just kind of what it comes down to for me. Yeah, absolutely. And and yeah. Oh man. We can go on and on talking about that. <laughs> but um I just I wanna I wanna divert a bit and get into like your origin story. You know, like what got you on the path of like uh or better yet, how did you get your start into not only being an indie dev, but like getting into mm-hmm. like writing and producing and mm-hmm. all the aspects of the skill sets to learn that too. Yeah. Um, so let's see. So I will say that um, I briefly worked in product marketing. Okay. Like way, way back when. Mm-hmm. And I, I learned a lot from that experience, but one of the things I learned was that, um, I didn't want to come back to games unless I was on the development side mm-hmm. um, because back at that time marketing was siloed off you know like mm-hmm. marketing was something that you did after the fact it wasn't um, really embedded with the development process yeah and so and also back then there was like there was I mean there's racism now still but it was worse back then mm-hmm. there is sexism so there was just like 
And also there were stereotypes about what kind of people end up doing marketing for games. Mm. Um, you know, like the whole like, you're not a real gamer, you're not like a real dev type of thing. Mm. And when you're younger, like you can internalize a lot of that bullshit. So I was like, mm-hmm. you know, this was an experience. I learned a lot. Um, I learned about my own flaws because I definitely had like some real flaws back then. But I was mm-hmm. like, you know, when I come back to games, I'm going to do it as someone who's who's contributing on the development side. Ideally, I'll do it as an owner. Um, and so actually for a while, I... I've always been attracted to indie creations. So mm-hmm. like if you if you check out my Kickstarter, I think I've backed something like 150 projects and I've been doing it since like 2011 or something that's like that. Up. That's what's up. Yeah, Shout out to you. Like, that's dope as fuck. Well, I just I really believe <laughs> in like if you can, if you can afford to support indies uh-huh. who are trying to make something like you should. Yeah. Um, and so I've always been around like, you know, like I was I was around like webcomic um, authors and writers and, mm-hmm. you know, people trying to tell their own stories with like very little money um, and just going to crowdfunding. Um, but really, like I, I found this indie visual novel development scene around like 2015, 2016. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was actually like it was quite anime adjacent. Um, and it still is. Mm. Um, and I actually just like found a crew of people who were making their own visual novels, um, using a free engine called RenPy. Mm-hmm. And they were basically like helping each other out, answering questions on forums. And I was mm-hmm. like, wow, you can make a game with like relatively, um, little overhead, you know, like you can, mm-hmm. you can have like, like 2D sprites and you can you can um, write a story and you can enter it into the engine and like the programming involved is quite light because it's meant to be kind of like an out of the box engine. Mm-hmm. So like it's it was designed specifically for people who don't have a programming background but wanted to be able to like tell us an interactive story. Yeah. Um, and so I started following these these individual novel devs who were making their own really great games mm-hmm. um, and releasing them and like I, you know, they were making money. It wasn't like a super ton of money, but they were still able to like come up with an idea, um, you know, commit to to realizing it and then releasing it. And I was mm. like, wow. You, and they could like, they were releasing it on Steam. And I was like, whoa, you can just do that? Like you don't have to be like a big budget studio. You can literally be like four or five friends who have, you know, like an art skill set and a writing skill set and mm. like someone who wants to enter in stuff in a script format. Um, you know, someone who can do user interface design and and that's, that's what you do. Um, and so I actually... I reached out to them. I was just like, hey, like, I really like your work. I want to support you guys. And then I gradually, like, I went to, <laughs> I went to Anime Dallas, I believe. Um, and, like, there was a meetup of, like, a bunch of these, these devs. And they were super cool. I got to meet them. Um, and I just kind of learned, I learned from them that way. I learned from, like, small indie, indie game makers who were, very very generous with their with their knowledge like mm-hmm. very willing to just like share and because of that like i very much am trying to do the same like 
if someone reaches out to me and is like, hey, I want to make a visual novel, I, I literally will be like, okay, let's let's book some time. I'll go on a Discord call with you and I will I'll like share my screen. I'll show you how that sort of thing works because um, it can be really daunting to try without someone showing you that it doesn't have to be. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I actually, I started like a little fan game. Um, because <laughs> I also was really into a MOBA that I that will not be named. Okay. <laughs> um, but a certain a certain very cool president uh, just took over the MOBA. I'll say. <laughs> okay. um, and yeah, so I was really into that, and I was like, "Look, I'm going to make a fan game." Mm. Um, and so I started to make the fan game, which ended up being High Low Girls. Like it originally started out as just a free fan game that I was going to make. Um, but then there were like a series of controversies that were happening around around like the game developer and I was mm. like like I had a team that kind of people walked away they were like I don't feel comfortable being associated with this mm-hmm. I was like cool that's totally fair um but it got to a point where it was like look I'm gonna I want to decouple this from this other game and I want to make it like a real thing yeah. um so then we started retrofitting that game into High Yellow Girls, and now it's just kind of getting bigger than I ever imagined it would. Um, <laughs> not necessarily in terms of like visibility, but like I've got a team now. We've got like six people who are working on it. Um, yeah, and we we've got like a like a project roadmap, like a proper studio, <laughs> and mm-hmm. like we have weekly meetings, and you know we have like milestones, and we. Are making a lot of progress on it um, in a way that I previously hadn't. Just when it was like, oh, just like a little hobby fan game. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I guess the <laughs> the short of it is that I have always been like a little lurker in mm-hmm. indie maker spaces. Uh, I found a way that you could do it with games on a really, really small scale with like relatively limited budget. Mm-hmm. Um, realized I was putting a lot of time and energy into it and not able to deliver on on like a, a limited budget, the kind of thing I wanted to. So um, mm-hmm. started basically taking money out of my paycheck and and putting it towards, you know, paying other people to help. Wow. Wow, that's an amazing journey. And is it? It's, it's, I'm just like, it's a really dorky one, isn't it? But no. <laughs> um, it's, but it's cool because like mm. also another thing about that is God, maybe like 2019, I was like, I was like, oh, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it. But I, it was taking a while. Uh-huh. Um and that's actually when I met I met Danny um through black card members, I believe. Okay. Um and Danny was like validate like yeah I think that was when Danny was either um getting ready to launch the Kickstarter for validate or um had already done it and I was like oh my god this is great like because for me I was like one of the things I will say about the the indie VM dev scene is um I won't say that it wasn't diverse but I there were I would say there were few black devs yeah um, around that space there were like there are some you know there are some really cool non-white devs for example um Mm -hmm. and like queer devs Mm -hmm. but not a lot of um black like western visual novel developers Uh so i was like oh this is scary 
But then Danny came along and Danny was like, I'm going to brute force and I'm literally going <laughs> to do like what I'm going to do. Yeah. And I was like, oh shit, that's like, like you gotta, you gotta like, you gotta, you gotta woman up or man up, whatever you want, whatever gender you want. You want to nut up? How about that? Although that's a little bit explicit. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> I was like, I was like, Danny's coming along. Danny is younger than me. Danny has a beautiful idea, beautiful uh-huh. characters, and it's just gonna make it work. And I got like a lot of inspiration from that. Like honestly, seeing seeing Danny go so hard with validate, I was like okay i can i can sit here and i can think about it or i can just like you know put my money where my mouth is and i can give it a shot pretty Mm. much wow yeah that huh right like like danny honestly like i is such a kick in the ass for me in terms of like you should try you you know like you have ideas and you are thinking about stuff but like if if Danny can do it, you should try. So I definitely credit credit her for that. Yeah, shout out to Danny, Danny of mm-hmm. Validate, struggling singles in your area. Uh, Wishlist yes. that on Steam. Uh. Wishlist it. It's gonna be amazing. I yeah. have had the pleasure of playing some of it. It is honestly gonna blow shit out of the water. It is incredible. It's a very very good game. Yeah. So um, I always ask people this because I feel like I get like. I ask the same question but get different answers like operating on like an indie on like the indie scale like uh, Mm -hmm. what are some of the what are some of the unique obstacles you've over you've you came across that you didn't expect like what were some things that you just like didn't expect to come across in your uh in your pathway of developing uh your products and stuff like that and trying to make sure that like or just basically trying to overcome them. Like, what was something that you didn't expect to have that you had to overcome? Two things. Um, mm-hmm. Money. <laughs> money is a really good thing. Yeah. Um, but failing that, um, I can be a bit of a control freak. Uh-huh. Um, and so I originally started with, like, my my co-founder, who's a really, you know, great friend of mine. Um, it was just, it was originally like the two of us who were going to try to just like slap this game together. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I also realized that surrendering, you know, a good portion of that control over to people that you trust and building that trust um, is really, really important. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like as an indie, you can, you can have this temptation to try to do it all Mm -hmm. but i would say high low girls really started to move forward once like i was willing to bring people on to do some of the things that i was doing but like really slowly and not nearly as well as they are because i was trying to do too much um so you know from an indie perspective i i have a day job Uh um so i i literally for a long time i was just i was just like setting aside money and saving up from my day job specifically mm-hmm. to be able to like pay more people to do stuff and mm-hmm. starting really small too. So like, um, you know, literally only like 15 hours uh, a month because I couldn't afford to pay them any more than that at a decent rate. Yeah. Um, you know, it was one of those things where it's like, well, I can, I can either like pay you, I don't know, um, peanuts and just kind of like, hope that like I'll make the money back and pay you later I personally didn't feel comfortable going that route yeah um so I just would 
pay for the amount of hours at like a decent rate that I could afford. And mm-hmm. it wasn't a lot. Um, so also, so, so on top of the money, the money um, thing, it's finding funding as well is a mm-hmm. big thing. And also finding community. So in this way, I have to shout out the glitch community um, because had I not joined the glitch community, their website is heyglitch.com. Um, I would not have known anything about how to do it because it's like indie development is a black box in terms of you don't know what you don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they're really good about providing resources for like how to sell up your LLC because like a gaming LLC might be a little bit different from like a crafting LLC or you know, are you interested in making a co-op? Like if you, for example, if you can't afford to pay people right now, um, do you want to go the route of like having a five person co-op and you you all own a certain amount of equity of the company so that like when mm. you do get paid, you're all getting paid equally, you know, that sort of thing. Um, do you like, like, like leadership management, just like all of that kind of stuff. Um, it can be really daunting to, to go at it alone. Um, but the glitch community does like these, I don't know if it's weekly or bi-weekly. They have these like radio sort of talks and micro talks that they do, um, called feature of play radio, where they basically get on like experienced, um, developers and they just kind of talk about challenges and things that they've learned and you can just like pick up so much knowledge by just even listening in on like a future of play radio episode um so definitely shout out to glitch because they have a lot of like free resources Mm -hmm. and also they just have a community that can make you not feel alone when you're trying to figure out how to like how to scale up from you know just like one or two people to like how to find money to pay people a decent you know wage while they're doing labor for you um and so on to further to that point like they also have god i'm just like plugging all my friends at this no nah, plug them um, plug them <laughs> <laughs> they also have this show um on youtube called punish me or publish me punish me which actually looks at anonymously submitted publisher deals for um indie teams so they they have like a bunch of episodes where they basically talk about these deals that indie developers submit to describe like this is what a publisher offered me for my game um you know here are the terms like oh maybe it's like an 80 20 rev you know rev split revenue share um or split for like the first year and the second year it goes down to like 50 50 where the indie team gets 50 percent of the revenue and the and the publisher gets 50 and then the third year you know the publisher gets 20 percent of the revenue and the mm-hmm. dev team gets 80 and then the fourth year the dev team gets all the revenue you know stuff like that i like had no knowledge about yeah i had no eyes on any of that until i started um i started like listening to the the radio shows i started checking out the books and resources they were sharing um i started watching you know the the publish me punish me web series and it's just i i really do have to like say for anyone who wants to get started on indie dev like the glitz community is outrageously helpful because again so much of this information is really really hard to find on your own um, but they are doing their best to provide free resources. Like they've got, um, they've got, um, I think it's like a pitch deck, uh, notion where they basically are, they like archive pitch decks from indie teams. Uh-huh. Um, so you can like take a look at examples of how to put together a pitch deck 
So you can pitch your game to a publisher, you know, like you can get an idea of like what, how you need to present your game in order for stakeholders to buy in and want to give you money, you know? So, so yeah. it's like, it's, it's a really, really, really great resource. Um, and it's the kind of resource that it's like, oh, once I've done a game jam and I kind of know that I can, I can complete a game, even if it's like a 15 minute game that I do with like a friend. Mm. Um, and then you're like, wow, I can do that you kind of have to do the next step of like, okay, how do I make it function as like a potential business? Um, and the glitch community is amazing. It's just like very, very helpful for how to get started on all that. Yeah. Um, damn. I'm so happy you came on the show because that's a, that's a great <laughs> I'm so resource. Happy you invited me. I'm yeah. so happy you invited me. <laughs> Cause um, that's a great source that I've never heard of. And I know some people that are listening to this probably never heard of either. And it's in this like that type of like community building and backing. You never really hear about, you just hear like, you gotta yeah, get it, yeah. gotta get it on your own. You know, you gotta get it yep. out. Like how they say about like rappers be like, I get out of, got it out the mud. That's basically how indie devs do, but that's not it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not, it's, it's not, not, it's not, it, it really isn't. And like, like that is such a, that's such a myth. Where mm -hmm. like the rock star indie dev who comes out of nowhere and like doesn't have any support. Like even the like the Stardew Valley guy, bless him. That's amazing. His story that like he worked on a game for four years mm -hmm. and then released the game and it was really successful. He's very good about being very honest that like his partner supported him for those four years. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like like that didn't come out of nowhere. While he was laboring on Stardew Valley, like his partner was basically like like helping support in so many other ways so it's like i think it's really crucial to talk about the support that that needs to be there um if mm. you're gonna try to do something like this absolutely absolutely and so um just to pivot a bit just to get back to you and uh mm -hmm. your the things you're working on um mm -hmm. high elo high elo girls um how would you describe yeah. it to somebody say like i just i just stumble off the street looking for a restaurant but then i'm like oh this is cool what do you do how would you explain it, it to me <laughs> high elo girls is an inclusive esports visual novel um mm. wherein you play as the newest substitute for an all girls amateur esports team um that is currently trying to compete into uh or gain entry into a closed esports league through mm. a once in a lifetime esports tournament oh that's cool that's my little that's my little elevator pitch yeah. that's one thing someone told me i needed to work on i'm still not quite there but they were like you gotta be able to sell it in like t like two sentences <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely and that 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 explains it that sounds like a movie like if i was were to watch a movie uh it would be a story <laughs> like that but they were like it wouldn't be like it would be so superficial gaming shit like they would like yeah <laughs> there's some really good esports i'd say there's some really good esports indie media out there but mm -hmm. there's also some really some really not so yeah some great stuff but, yeah um that's fun but yeah that's amazing um so when it comes to like uh the visual novel genre um mm -hmm. what are some of the what are some of the things that you look for in a visual novel that make you like perk up make your ears perk up or make like or keep you interested and engaged that you look for when you're uh perusing yeah. through the genre um so something i've never seen before so i 
I, again, here's where it's like, oh, I'm just bigging up my friends. Um, but validate, I've literally never seen that done in visual novel form before. Okay. Um, typically, you know, a visual novel can be like a thriller visual novel. Um, mm-hmm. It can be Otome games. It can be a variety of things. Like there's like the, there's like Danganronpa, which is, mm-hmm. which is essentially like a visual novel. There's, um, you know, there's, uh, let's see. I mean, there's just, there's a ton and they tend to come with like their own tropes, mm-hmm. um, based on like the genre of visual novel you're playing. So there's like horror visual novels as well, but I still, I had never seen like a slice of life, you know, realistic dating simulator yeah. wherein like, it's not fantasy based. Like mm-hmm. I love me some fantasy dating games. I love those. They're so fun, but like validate really stuck out to me not only because of the obvious diversity and inclusivity but like it's telling real stories right like it's telling stories about like 20 somethings who are struggling through life trying to just like be awkward on on like dates and Mm -hmm. i was like that's amazing um and then i also look for i look for um if it's romance it's doing something slightly different than like a traditional um otome game again Mm -hmm. i love otome games a lot and I, I keep saying that, but it, Otome is like um, a Japanese romantic style of um, visual novel where it's a dating mm. simulator where like the whole point is to be the protagonist and you're kind of dating fantasy idealized versions of, of characters. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love those. I think they're amazing. Um, but for romance as well, like I, there's gotta be like a compelling hook. Okay. You know, if it's cheeky, that's mm-hmm. really fun. Um, if it's sexy, that's fun. Preferably adults, because uh, <laughs> there's, you know, Otome does also sometimes cater to like younger players. So you might have like high school dating sims, and I'm I'm much older. I'm not trying to date any high school boys at all. Oh no, <laughs> um, no, 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 and I don't want to even do it in in game form. Like yeah. no, um, so <laughs> so there's like. And then there's there's just oh like I'm also a big genre person. I really like speculative fiction, so I really mm-hmm. like science fiction. Mm-hmm. I love fantasy. Um, so if it's got like a cool another cool hook like a cyberpunk you know visual novel, which yeah. shout out to Love Shore, um, <laughs> which is coming out, I will be all over that. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it's like for me the interactivity of it, wherein like you play as a person and you can branch off down different story paths that's mm-hmm. wonderful that's also a big staple so that's kind of what you expect from a visual novel um so for me it's like it's got to have a compelling genre hook it's got to be if it's like within an established genre like romance and dating it's got to have something new and fresh that i've never seen before mm-hmm. um and yeah that's kind of if it's horror like you gotta go for the horror you know like yeah. don't pull your punches like like mm. go full on um visual style something that's memorable visual style like again you look at validate you're gonna remember those characters um yeah just yeah i as a vis- as a visual novel connoisseur um, <laughs> i feel like i've played so many and now i'm squarely looking for things that you know i've, I've never seen before yeah that's amazing yeah i've never i've never myself really dabbled into visual novels but like Mm -hmm. hearing them more and more it looks like it looks like something that i'd be really interested in um yes and also like the best the the best or i think the beautiful thing about visual novels it isn't like a like when it comes to like a physical uh paperback book 
you gotta only way you know a book is terrible is halfway through and you're like mm-hmm, fuck mm-hmm. I wasted all my time but like mm-hmm, I feel mm-hmm. like with a visual novel you'll be in it for a little bit and once you get to read some stuff you're like ah okay <laughs> but yeah you can kind of you can you can kind of get a sense I mean I do love the ones where there's a twist and you really don't know what you're getting into yeah Doki Doki Literature Club is a really good example of a visual novel that exploded specifically because it blew people's expectations out of the water Uh like they thought they were getting a typical high school dating simulator and then it just ended up being an existential horror game (laughs) Um, (laughs) so yeah I tend I tend to on the one hand I tend to like things that like are unexpected but the good thing about visual novels is like yeah you kind of you kind of do know what you're getting into uh-huh. um up front and you can play it a little bit and then you can you can bow out if it's not to your taste yeah that's dope that's that's amazing um when it when you think of like when you are in the process of doing some like narrative design do you like think mm-hmm. of some of your favorite visual novels and like you pull little pieces here and there? Not plagiarizing though. I don't want to say like you <laughs> plagiarizing or stealing somebody's shit, but like some like some idea or some like or like a build up to a specific thing, you know, like the the uh or like structures or like how you mm. structure like conversations and things like that. Is yes. that something that comes into play with your uh narrative design? Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, because I play so many visual novels and people are constantly pushing the boundaries of what you expect from it. Mm -hmm. So again, something like Doki Doki Literature Club really plays with the function of the game. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm not going to spoil it for anyone, but it basically is very meta in a lot of ways. Okay. Um, It plays with like it sets up expectations in terms of how how it plays. So like, oh, you click here and you get a response and it kind of it twists that a bit it messes with it Mm -hmm. and i i love looking at that kind of like you know functional way of subverting what is expected of visual novels um i played there's there's one game that like has Ooh, it's got um it plays like a conversation like how a conversation naturally feels so Mm -hmm. you have choices that you can click to respond to whatever character or whoever you're talking to, but they will fade away. They'll disappear. Mm -hmm. If you just like, if you don't click one, you know, like it's like, you'll be talking and you'll have like three choices and they just, it's like, it, it kind of mirrors what it feels like to talk to someone. Yeah. And like, they ask you a question and you don't say anything, they'll start talking eventually, right? Because they're just kind of like, this is an awkward moment. So you lose the ability to, right? Like that's that's (laughs) like a cool, that's a cool way to do conversation in a visual novel because one of the sticking points for a visual novel is this idea that like you come to a choice and the choice stays there until you choose a choice and then Mm -hmm. move forward. But no, like that was like, oh, you really have to be in the zone. You have to like be paying attention because you'll lose the opportunity to like have an organic conversation with someone so um yeah and also i got really into um like texting texting is like a big thing or chatting like Mm -hmm. digital chatting is like a big thing um that is just it can do so much for a visual novel that's kind of like set in the present or in the future um and so there there are there's this game called um we should talk um that is 
is I'm just gonna make sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> that was released by um, a cool a cool indie team, and it's kind of like a relationship simulator, but like okay. an adult one. Uh-huh. And by adult, I don't mean like NSFW. I mean like you are you're like a person who is maybe having kind of a rocky relationship and your partner is like texting you while you go to a bar and depending on like how you respond to their texts you know like and depending on how you respond to people around you who at the bar might be flirting with you it like it redirects how the game progresses and and that game is the game of your relationship like do you end up breaking up because you said something mean and a text message back to them while you were like getting drunk at this bar (laughs) um so yeah like i'm constantly playing really cool really cool visual novels and just like narrative games that play with the medium Mm -hmm. um and trying to figure out how can I make that work for my stuff? Um, Cause like, again, it's not, it's not so much like trying to like steal from other people yeah. as like, that's a really interesting way to tell a story that like previously hadn't been done before. And I uh-huh. kind of want to like, I want to use that cause that's a really cool like discovery to make and how to evoke that kind of emotion in your player. So um, yeah, definitely. Nice. Nice. And um, so besides like visual novels what other mm-hmm. what other games are you playing right now just like in your free time in between you oh know, my god being an indie okay dad and here we go <laughs> yeah so my steam profile is like i think my one bio is like here for indie games and competitive games because like again i used to well i am still playing it i won't say that i used to i'm just not as diligent about trying to climb on the ranked ladder mm-hmm. um i i play like this moba a lot but i also play um Back for Blood, that's like my game. I oh, play yeah. that so nice. much. I've logged way too many hours. I'm playing Cult of the Lamb right now, which is also a beautiful game. Mm-hmm. Super fun roguelite. Um, and I also play a lot of Destiny too. Um, so okay. like nice. I play I I am making squarely like indie games with limited scope, but I play yeah. a lot of um I guess I you would say I play a lot of AAA sort of competitive games. Uh-huh. Um with like a multiplayer aspect to it yeah so what what about back for blood hooked you because i've always i I keep trying to go back to it and i Uh think one thing for me was that i don't have friends to play it with but also like Mm -hmm. um just something about it was like it seemed like i needed to like put more energy into it than than it than i originally anticipated so like what is it about it that really hooked you to like keep going back to it and keep playing it so I really, really loved the Left for Dead series. Uh-huh. Um, so when I went back to it, it was very nostalgic because it was like it was like Left for Dead, but with a deck builder essentially. Yeah. Um, and so that that like deck builder side of things, that card game side, is something that I've found kicks people out of the game if mm-hmm. they really liked Left for Dead because they're like, I don't want to grind to unlock better cards that make the game you know moving the game forward easier yeah i personally really like that because i like the general loop of like you know shooting zombies and like you have your common zombies and then you have like your special zombies which is which is direct gameplay from left for dead i think the the devs are like the devs of back for blood are like formed from the drugs of like the left for dead team (laughs) so it's not like it's stealing it's like the same devs i'm pretty sure yeah um (laughs) but 
yeah, like I, because I really like the original loop, it felt really nostalgic to me. And I was like, I can keep doing this. Like I can keep grinding. Um, and also I really, I like shooters, uh-huh. but I don't like military shooters. Oh, okay. Um, I feel you. So I like, you. I could never, I loved Halo, but like I could never do Call of Duty because it just felt too real. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I I do like the game feel of targeting. I mm-hmm. will say, like, I, I love that, which is where shooters typically come in. Um, but there was like Epic Mickey was like on the Wii on the Wii. Yeah. <laughs> and that was a shooter, but you shot with like a paintbrush, and that gave me the same kind of like rush of serotonin. So it's yeah. it's not just like the it's not just like guns, it's just sort of the feel of like targeting and like, you know, nailing your focus. Yeah. Um, and Back for Blood really did that for me because I'm really bad at Battle Royale games. Okay. Yeah. So, like, I skipped Fortnite. I skipped, like, PUBG. I skipped, like, all of those because I could never... I felt like I could never master it yeah. within, like, a single round. Yeah. Um, and so it never... I never wanted to. It never pushed me forward. So when I got something like Back for Blood, I was like... One, we're dealing with zombies, so it doesn't feel as uncomfortable to me. Uh Um, We have, like, I understood the basic grasp of it, which is you have, like, your swarms of common, and then you have, like, the specials with different attack sets that you have to be mindful of. Mm -hmm. Um, Then, like, you have a co-op squad as well, where, you know, I think you were talking about not really digging it because you weren't playing with friends. Um, Yeah, I, I needed to play with friends for a bit, too, before I felt competent enough to like play with randos so that i like if they were annoying me i could ignore them and just play the game um so if you ever want to play i will totally carry you until you feel comfortable um, (laughs) playing playing you know just progressing it forward but also they did um they introduced a new gameplay mode that suspends the deck builder side so you can now play the game just like with the best cards unlocked from the start because i think also they I, I'm sure that there were a lot of people who really did really enjoy the deck builder side uh-huh. side of things where like you would have to play in order to unlock better cards. But I'm so sure there were so many people who were like, I don't have the time for this. You know, like, yeah. this is really annoying and too grindy. So um, if you haven't played in a bit, you could go back and I feel like it would be a different experience. Okay, great. Yeah, I'm definitely gonna probably hop back in there because I've been looking for something to like, uh, not necessarily. I don't want to say waste my time, but sink my time yeah. into. That's a better way to describe it. And um, yeah, it's it, yeah. And I'm with you about bouncing off the battle royales. Um, mm-hmm. I used to be a huge Call of Duty fan for the longest time, but two things mm. two things turned me off to it was one, the lobbies were horrendous. I've heard some of the worst oh, shit ever said God. in my life. And then two yeah. is like, after a while, it was like the same and like even to the point where i was watching the new they just showed the new call of duty modern warfare 2 mm-hmm. which is confusing but like i was just like i i was looking at it and i was like first the panel was just full of white people and i was like this is this is very upsetting because like you couldn't yeah. throw one person of color in there um and no, then never. all but all the <laughs> but then all the locations they were going to all the multiplayer maps were like mexico and a Middle mm-hmm. Eastern village mm-hmm. and this, that, and the other. And it's mm-hmm. like, damn, why are you always bringing your white man wars to other people's mm-hmm. places mm-hmm. and shit? Absolutely. You know? And so Absolutely. I was just like, and that just put me off to that. And I was like, damn. Oh, and the last thing is PUBG is fucking ugly. So you're okay. <laughs> 
Yeah, like I, I played it a couple times and in theory I was like, this could be cool, but also terrible, horrendous, horrendous player base. Um, oh my God, it's it's ugly. The, so the controls look clunky. Like watching yeah. it, it feels, it looks clunky. And then like, and then like, yeah. It it looked like it should be free to play, but he was ch- they were charging like thirty bucks for it, and I was like, "Who the fuck oh, is yeah. paying thirty dollars like for this?" Like for season yeah. season passes, remember? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was, and it was just all off putting, but yeah. Um, what what games are you looking forward to that are coming out soon within like the next year or so? I know um we just had the well the, right now the Tokyo Game Show is going on, so like, have you seen anything there, or is there anything else that you've been keeping an eye on for a while? I missed that actually, um, which I gotta, I really gotta check that out because mm-hmm. I do love, like, I love showcases and direct so much. Yeah. Um, actually, I've been, I've been watching a lot of like indie directs. So I did watch yeah. the Game Devs of Color, um, direct showcase. Okay. And there, there's one, um, called, I, and I don't know. I think it's By War, Legend of Dragon Slayer. Ooh. Um, Ooh. That's actually come out already. Oh, I'm just, I just looked it up. It came out last year. Um, but it was in the, there might be now. something. <laughs> maybe it's coming out on a different platform or something like that. Um, but yeah, it, it, it showed up in the direction. I was like, oh, because I love, I love like hack and slash games. I love mm. sort of like open world with really good fantasy weapon game feel. Yeah. And like that, that looks like my shit. Honestly, I was like, I need to, I need to play that. Um, but also. Oh, this look cool as fuck. Right. Right. <laughs> I saw that and I was like, where has this been? Like, yeah. what? Like I need this immediately. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm really, really excited to play that. Cause again, my, like I love, I haven't mentioned, I can't believe I haven't mentioned like the Devil May Cry games, but I love those games so much. Oh, nice. Um, and like Bayonetta, like anything that's like bombastic and feels crazy to play. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm really, I'm really, I'm looking forward to that. But also I'm, I'm really looking forward to indies too. Yeah. Like, um, like Validate's coming out like this, well, depending on when this airs in September. So I know it's coming out in September. Um, Love Shore uh-huh. is coming out in October. Um, Spirit Swap is coming out next year sometime. Um, I can't, like, so, so one of my other friends has a studio called Lunaris Games and they do visual novels. Um, and they're, they're coming out with this game called Call Me Under mm. next year. Um, so yeah, it's like there's just kind of it's it, it bounces between like indies um, yes. who are generally like I'm buds with or um, like big flashy <laughs> big flashy <laughs> titles like I'm I need to get back to grinding on Destiny two because like I know there's some really cool content coming out in the future yeah um, and I just yeah like I I have kind of my staples um, my like live service games that I'm really addicted to and then I've got um, the indies that are coming out but again this I I hope it's by war maybe it's B war but I think it's by war um, yeah. I like the more I look at that the more I'm just like oh my god I need that like I I need it immediately um, mm-hmm. so yeah those are I'm I'm very I'm like very um, my 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 sort of like triple a taste can be very like aggressive i guess yeah. um and then my indie tastes are very like like narrative fun games where <laughs> you know you're dealing with relationships <laughs> um 
So yeah, I'm kind of across, I'm all over the place. Yeah, I feel you. I like I'm on my, like my second playthrough of Doom Eternal, just like doing that on PC and oh. a bunch of random shit. Just because, like you said, bombastic gaming and like yes. nothing and like it's I, I don't Doom is like a different drug in comparison to everything else. Mm. I, that's the best way to describe it. But it um, is, yeah, and it then, is, <laughs> I, yeah, yeah. It did. It's, I totally know what you mean. It is. It is. So, no, I totally know. What yeah, you mean. <laughs> and it's <laughs> funny because like uh, I'm playing that, but then like I'll just put up my switch and play like Untitled Goose Game, you know. So it's like yeah, finding that oh, balance. The best Untitled thing. Goose Game is so fun. The There's best also stealth game. It is actually genuinely an amazing stealth puzzle game. Like it is so you have to be very clever, right? Yeah. It's it's a great game. Love it. Uh, yeah. Okay, so um unfortunately we're coming to the end of the show. Um but this is a time where the guest has a chance to do some positive affirmations, send out some positive energy to the audience, to the community, mm-hmm. to the folks out there in the world listening. So I'm going to take mm-hmm. a step back and I'm going to let you take charge and give off some of your words of wisdom to the community. Um, I would say if you have not checked out Game Devs of Color Expo, definitely do it because I feel like on top of the glitch community, um, it's a really it's just like a really supportive environment. Um, it caters to like indies and people who are just getting started Um, people who are trying to learn how to break into the industry, either by starting their own studios or working for established studios. Um, And just do it. Like if you, if you want to, and you don't know where to start, um, definitely check out those intro resources on like heyglitch.com. I, again, like if, if you're interested in visual novels, I work out of RenPy and I am so happy, like like RenPy again, that's like the out of the box engine versus something like Unity. Um, but I'm I'm totally happy to like like help you get started on RenPy games. So like reach out to me. My my Twitter is Epistellar. So E P I S T E L L A R. Um, I have my DMs closed because people be crazy on there. But if you just like tweet at me. Um, I'm again, I try to be as accessible, especially when it comes to getting started and, and Lord knows I'm still getting started. Like I don't, I am not going to pretend I am any kind of expert, but, um, I do definitely have some like lessons or even just some resources that I can point you to. Um, and I'm more than happy to do it, but also just like, just give it a shot, right? Like game dev needs you. I know that sounds really, really cheesy, but like, like again it goes back to not better but more like we just we need more folks who are getting in the game um to to do what they want to do to like make their games tell their stories and i am a big supporter of just like seeing more of that happen so um definitely give it a shot you won't be alone um reach out to indie devs because we're generally pretty willing to talk like if you have pointed questions we are willing to give pointed answers um and just yeah i mean like if you've ever thought about it and you know like you've hesitated like please please go for it because it is definitely hard um and there are lessons to be learned and some of those are harsher than others but like you just you kind of never know unless you give it a shot um and luckily i think right now there are there's like a really, really good selection of people out there who also just like want to see you 
be successful. Um, I'm one of them. So, so yeah, again, I, I don't have my DMs open, but if you tweet at me and you're like, I heard you on, on the podcast, like, let's talk because, you know, I, I'm really serious. And then I just want like more black folks, more brown folks, more queer folks, more of just like everything that more marginalized devs who aren't already getting a leg up. Like we really do need to stick together. So, um, yeah, yeah. That's what I would say is give it a shot. I will, I will do my best to like get you up and running, point you in, in the direction of, you know, people who know better than I do. Um, and just kind of be your cheerleader, I guess. Damn. That's amazing. (laughs) Is that okay? Yeah, no, that was great. Um, okay. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining me on the show. Besides Twitter, where can the people find you? And when they when they pick up high elo girls, because they mm-hmm. are going to buy seven copies of it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what can they expect from that experience of that game and uh, some of your other oh. projects you're working on as well? I just hope I hope it I hope it makes people who are already in the esports space but who feel off like pushed off to the margins feel seen Mm. and i hope it encourages people who've been curious about esports but never really felt like they could have a way in i hope it makes you feel like oh i can check this out or just you know i hope i hope it's a good time i hope it's an earnest and sincere time um i hope it's like heartwarming but funny i have a lot of a lot of hopes for this game Mm -hmm. um but yeah, I mean, I would say Twitter is honestly the best way to to kind of reach out to me um, publicly. I do, I do like eventually like move stuff to Discord. I'm happy to hop uh, to hop on to like voice chats and stuff like that. Mm. So um, I I will not say my public Discord right now. Okay. But after we've just been like chatting a bit, I will. You know, I'm I'll be very happy to to have you as a friend on there too. So. Um, yeah, and I would say wish list high elo girls. It's high elo girls on Steam. Uh, give us a wish list because we need that. That's also something they don't tell you is that is that you need to have some wish lists for publishers to pay attention to you. So, oh damn, so, I didn't know that shit. Well, damn, oh, I need to be wish list yeah. everything, bro. Like, ideally, if you can get like. If you can get to like ten thousand, that looks real nice. Uh, if you're trying to pitch your game for publishing, but again, you can learn stuff like that if you join um, the Glitch community. So again, check it out at heyglitch.com as well, because I'm so serious about people who are trying to get their start. That is, it's a really good resource. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh damn. Well. Oh, thank you again. Um, and if the folks want to find us on social medias, we are on Twitter at ubg pod and we are on facebook at the unapologetically black gaming podcast and thank y'all so much for listening to the episode and as always be happy drink some water and keep gaming